0: Let's go to the book of 3 John, 3 John, and I've been just debating and have not had any real leadership on starting another big, big, long study, and so um, we have, uh, I've elected to do some of the shorter books here, and let's just read through the book of Third John, the elder until the well-beloved Gaius, whom I love in truth, in the truth, I'm sorry. Beloved, I wish above all things that thou mayest prosper and be in health even as thy soul prospereth. For I rejoiced greatly when the brethren came and testified of the truth that is in me, even as thou walkest in the truth. I have no greater joy than to hear that my children walk in the truth. Beloved, thou dost faithfully whatsoever thou doest, To the brethren and to strangers which have borne witness of thy charity before the church whom if thou bring forward on their journey after a godly sort thou shalt do well because that for his name's sake they went forth taking nothing of the Gentiles. We therefore ought to receive such that we might be fellow helpers to the truth. I wrote unto the church but the atrophies who loveth to have the preeminence among them receiveth us not. Wherefore, if I come, I will remember his deeds which he doeth, prating against us with malicious words, and not content therewith. Neither doth he himself receive the brethren, and forbiddeth them that would, and casteth them out of the church. Beloved, follow not that which is evil, but that which is good. He that doeth good is of God, but he that doeth evil hath not seen God, Demetrius hath a good report of all men and of the truth itself. Yea, and we also bear record, and ye know that our record is true. I had many things to write, but I will not with ink and pen write unto thee. But I trust that I shall shortly see thee, and we shall speak face to face. Peace be to thee. Our friends salute thee. Greet the friends by name. Now, again, we have... A short little book here very personal and uh, we're just going to work our way through Uh, I will tell you when it comes to the commentary on this book I've tried to read several and and, uh, uh, it is absolutely befuddling what different people say that this book is talking about and and so of course we don't go to the commentaries first we go to the scripture first and uh, Well, and then we look and see, and because the Bible tells us Scripture's not of any private interpretation. If you're the only one smart enough to figure it out, you're wrong. Uh, But what we want to do is we want to be able to look at what the Bible says and not necessarily just agree with the commentary so we have someone to agree with. Uh, That's the mistake that the Pharisees often made. That's why the uh, people were astonished at Jesus' teaching because he taught them as one that had authority, not as the scribes and Pharisees. He wasn't quoting rabbi this and rabbi this and uh, the great learned rabbi this and the very reverend, reverend, Dr. Reverend so-and-so said this. And, and uh, you know, I always get it, I get nervous when I start reading commentaries and it says, and so-and-so said this and so-and-so said this and and... Then I remember who so-and-so was. He was a German rationalist. Uh, That means he doesn't believe the Bible at all. And and really, we don't want to learn from people like that. And so let's just let the words stand for themselves. The elder, he addresses uh, Gaius just as he did this elect lady. Uh, Apparently, this elect lady that he addresses was even more intimate a relationship than Gaius was because... John had this habit, if you'll remember, when there was a close relationship, not always, but many times he omitted names. And uh, he would omit his name, that disciple whom Jesus loved. He omitted Mary's name on several occasions. He he just called her Martha's sister and other things that would know. And, And so one of the things that we see in these two little books here And one of the things that we don't want to have missing in our modern Christianity is a closeness in relationship with other believers. You know what? It's okay to love the brethren. Amen? It's okay uh, to have affection for these great preachers. Now, let's not go the next step and worship them. Uh, I mean, I've been some places where it's really scary. Uh, I remember one time I was traveling with Brother Clayton, and and we went to hear uh, two very well-known preachers. And uh, the second preacher came in late. And and there was probably about four preachers that preached that day. And uh, when... This well-known preacher came in late. The preacher that was preaching stopped his sermon to recognize this man. And everybody, of course, turned around. Oh, Dr. So-and-so is here. And uh, I just remember how revolted I felt when that kind of attitude is expressed. We don't want to worship men. Amen? But it is okay to care about them. It's okay to respect them. It's okay to love them in the truth. In fact, that's how John addresses the elder unto the well-beloved Gaius, whom I love in the truth. Now, this Gaius will go on here. When we get down to verse 4, he says, My greatest joy is to hear that my children walk in truth. Now, uh, that is a very special relationship there when, when a preacher has an opportunity to train and guide and help a younger preacher usually go into the ministry. Uh, there's often I remember Brother Thompson one time called me one of Larry's boys, and uh, uh, I kind of like that term. Uh, because that that put me in a relationship with Brother Clayton, and he really took time and and put some effort into me when I graduated college. And it's a really good thing none of you knew me back then, uh, because you wouldn't have wanted me to be your pastor. Uh, But as we grow in the ministry, he says, My well-beloved Gaius, whom I love in the truth. Now, this idea of loving someone in the truth is simply that. We have fellowship and affection because we have a common bond. That bond is the word of God. I remember years ago meeting a preacher, and because he knew uh, preachers that I knew, uh, and of course they were older preachers, and he was probably my senior by 10 or 15 years, and uh, we were in fairly close proximity at that point in my ministry and his, and, and he kind of felt like it was his job to be my mentor. Uh, the only problem was I had no idea who this guy was. Uh, he was just a friend of some friends, and and uh, uh, finally we, we got together and were talking, and And, uh, you know, I made a a statement of, you know, I choose my friends based on their doctrine. And he looked at me rather strangely and said, well, I think I'm a little bigger than that. And I went on to try to explain to him, brother, if you're bigger than that, then you're going to, you're just going to get offended by me. (laughs) Because I'm going to say things that are not going to be pleasing to you. My my friends are my friends because we have a common bond. That bond is the truth. We don't believe the truth is for sale. We don't believe it's for modulation or modification. We don't believe that you take the truth like you do a hot rod engine into your own shop and tune it up to make it the way you want it to be. The factory specs are quite all right. Uh, in fact, they're better than quite all right. They're perfect, and they don't need to be changed or altered in any way. And John is writing this young man named Gaius, and he says, Listen, Gaius, I, you are my well-beloved, not only because we're going to get into the relationship that he had with Gaius, but because he said, I can love you in the truth. Now, it is important And I used not to believe this, but I'll tell you, it is important for pastors to go to preacher's meetings. And I thank you that you allow me to do that Uh, because not only do I get encouraged and admonished and, and brought further in my ministry by being around men of God, I am also able at this point, as I'm growing a little older, just a little older, not much, uh, just a little older in the ministry, I'm now able to see many of these preachers who were younger preachers. I met them maybe while they were Bible college students. Uh, I remember one fellow in particular at the Heartland meeting. Uh, I had met him while he was a student in Bible college. We would taken up several offerings. We got a PA system for him when he was in his first building and, and helped him with several different forms and just different things. Talked to him. Now he's in the last phase of getting his own building. They're self-supporting. They're really moving forward. And it's not going to be long before he starts coming back to the meetings, helping other preachers. And, And I'll tell you what, that excites me, is watching that growth. And this is what John's talking about. And he says, Beloved, I wish above all things that thou mayest prosper and be in health even as thy soul prospereth. Now that is an interesting statement. There, he says, "I wish you could be as healthy as, uh, as physically healthy as you are spiritually healthy." Now, what if that happened to you? I've often wondered what would happen if we only were allowed to eat physical food as much as we ate spiritual food. Most of us would starve plain to death. What if you... uh, I know an evangelist, he says, no Bible, no breakfast, no devotions, no... Yeah, no no devotions, no dinner, uh, no scripture, no supper. And, And he goes around telling everybody that and... What if we could only have as much physical food as we partook of spiritual food? Would we be healthy? He said, if you could only be as healthy physically as you are spiritually, he said, that's my wish for you. He said, I wish above all things, he said, you would be The most blessed man in the world, if you could be as physically healthy as you are spiritually healthy. Now, how did John know how spiritually healthy Gaius was? Well, it's real easy. Look at verse 3. For I rejoiced greatly when the brethren came and testified of the truth that is in thee, even as thou walkest in the truth. He said, I have the testimony of others that have watched your life. They have testified that you are in the truth, that the truth is in you, and that you're walking in the truth. Then he says, I have no greater joy than to hear that my children walk in the truth. Now, I want you just to think a minute, if you're Gaius here, more than likely a young preacher, though we do not know who Gaius really was, uh someone just said an unknown Christian. But as we see here, why would John, as Timothy was called a son of Paul, what did Timothy do? He ministered, did he not? Uh, that same affection I, I think I put in here that that I believe anyway the Gaius was one of John's Timothy's. He was a young man that was in the ministry. He said, You're my child, and he said, There's no greater joy to know that they walk in that you walk in the truth. You know, it's one thing to talk about the truth. Have you ever met anybody that just talked all the right talk but they didn't do it? Kind of a letdown, wasn't it? He said, "You don't just talk it, you walk it." He says, "You are living in the truth and I have not your testimony, not you telling me what you are doing." but I have the testimony of others that have visited you. And what is the whole ideal that is being brought forth here? It's in verses 5 and 6. He said, Beloved, thou doest faithfully whatsoever thou doest to the brethren and to strangers which have borne witness of thy charity before the church, whom if thou bring forward on their journey after a godly sort, thou shalt do well. Now what he's talking about here, he says... Gaius, you're doing faithfully what you do to both brethren and strangers. Now, I think James spent quite a bit of time, James chapter 2, talking about not being a respecter of persons. Do you realize that that is where the monstrosity that has become the priesthood of the Orthodox and Roman Catholic Church has grown from? is from an unbiblical respect of persons that certain people should be elevated to a special position and the rest of us are relegated to the uh, peon level. Uh, That means you're just a little person. You're not an unimportant person. You're just another uh, cog in the wheel, just another tooth in the gear. Uh, You're just one of those peasants that, Uh, everybody has to put up with and you know something this is when we get into medieval europe this is where the divine right of kings and all of these things that were argued about comes from that there are two classes of people and the most radical document written outside the scripture in modern history was a little document that says we hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created what wonder where they got that idea from. I'll tell you, there's only one document in the world that they could get that idea from. And that's from the Bible. The idea that men are equal. Because that is not what people have believed. Caesar believed himself to be a god. He believed himself to be more than an average man. The kings and the idea of the Tsar of Russia. That's just the Russian word for Caesar. Or demigod. Uh, You go to India, they have the caste system where different people are counted as nothing, no names. They're they're not even worthy of of a title or a name to identify them as a human being. And other people are high and exalted and lifted up. And if they would so much as eat a meal, or share food with one of those no-name people, they would lose their position by defaming their title and their position in society. Every once in a while, you'll meet someone. They'll get this strange little eye. Oh, she doesn't talk to servants. I mean, or he doesn't talk to servants. They said, well, one of the, we won't go there. Uh, one of the former inhabitants of our White House was that way. Would not even speak to certain level of White House staff because that was beneath her dignity. How many of you already know who the last name was? It wasn't Bush, by the way. And I don't know anything about the new one, but uh, there was one that had a last name with the initials Clinton, And she would walk around the White House and would not even let certain people be seen by her because they were offensive, because they were low-level servants. Let me tell you, that stuff still exists today. And John is saying, now wait a minute, what was the commandment that he referred to in 2 John? That we love one another? How can you love one another Treating different people with different, varying levels of respect and and authority, and yet every religious system, except the true Bible-believing church, fosters this same thing. We have, well, he's just just a priest, and it's interesting what the Catholic Church has done in response to what the Bible teaches. The highest official, of the highest level that you can obtain in a Bible-believing church is that of a pastor, as an ordained pastor or elder in the church. And you know what the Catholic Church does? That's their lowest guy. He's a pastor. Then you've got the priest, and then you got the monsignor, and then you got the but da 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 and on and on it goes. hey, I'll tell you what I'll be a pastor any day because that's the bible word. it's one who cares for his sheep, and that's what uh Gaius was doing he is he has done it faithfully if he knew them, if they were strangers now. Do you think that he treated the strangers as if they were Christians and the Christians as if they were Christians? Or do you think he ministered the word to the strangers and treated the brethren as brethren? Amen? I mean, he was faithful to give the same time and attention to every person To love others as himself. That was the commandment that Jesus gave, amen? And John had an infatuation with that commandment. In fact, that's what the whole book of 2 John was all about and loving them and loving other people. And we have here, and it says, these people have borne witness of thy charity. Now, this is the first time in the book of Third John that we're going to see this little phrase, and I believe it's a key to understanding where we're going in this book. He says, before the church. Now, which church had these people borne witness before of the charity of Gaius? It was the church where John was. It was not the church where Gaius was. Do you get that? Okay. John was writing to Gaius. So John was not in the same area. He was not in the same locale Gaius was. These brethren had come and they had testified. He gives that in verse 3. He says, they testified to me. In verse uh, 6 here, he says, they borne witness of thy charity before the church. This was the church where John, the apostle, was pastoring or doing his main work at this time. And and John moved around several churches. In fact, he spent the greatest part of his life, if we can believe the history, in the city of Ephesus. Who started the church in Ephesus? Paul did, didn't he? Well, then why was John the pastor there for many years? Well, because God moves people around. That's where John was. And Gaius was trained by John and sent out from him and was pastoring in a church. And these traveling preachers, these brethren had been out. They had visited Gaius. They said, he took care of us. He, we were brought forth. This idea of, of bringing one forth er, forward on their journey is to take up an offering and help them on their way. We have a lot of those come through our church. And he said, you did, after a godly sort, thou shalt do well. Now look at verse 7. Because that for his name's sake, the name of Jesus, they went forth taking nothing of the Gentiles. Now, if you're not careful here, you're going to make a real big mistake. In the Bible, the word Gentile normally refers to non-Jews. You have Jews and you have Gentiles. John was a Jewish man. I believe that we would be misinterpreting or misunderstanding John's message because would it advantage a Christian to only take offerings from Jewish believers and not take offerings from non-Jewish believers? or would a much more simpler understanding of this term be simply this, that John was using the traditional Jewish word for talking about unbelievers, which is what the word Gentile normally referred to as unbelievers, and the fact that there is no contradiction between faith in the God of Moses and faith in Jesus Christ. That there is a connection between the New Testament and the Old Testament saint. Our faith is in the same God. You say, well, why is our faith different? Our faith is different because of God's revelation. Faith is obedience to the revealed Word of God. Now, the reason why I'm making such a big deal about this is because 90% of the battles that I face as a preacher, that Brother Neuberger is going to face as he goes out on deputation are going to be answered right here in these words. You see, we're not here to go out to the world and solicit funds and help from the world to help us serve Christ. And yet, here's what many churches are doing. They want to have car washes and T-shirt sales, and they want to do this, and what was it, that one group, P.O.D., uh, I think it was even Howard Stern said, I don't care if it's Christian, I like it. If, If that pervert likes it, God doesn't. The issue of our day is worldliness. And by the way, that is a doctrinal issue. I get a little frustrated. Missionaries come up and they'll say, "Uh, well, I can send you my statement of faith. And I tried to be as nice as I can. I'm tired of statements of faith. Because I've had preachers... I believe the same 20 articles that you do, referring to a fellowship that we uh, that I used to be a part of. I said, brethren, my 20 articles doesn't allow me to have a rock band on my platform. And a little group of boys and girls swaying to the music on the platform, taking my mind off the Lord Jesus Christ and putting it on things that ought not be put on. I don't want the world in the church. Because that's not the truth that we walk in. And here the, uh, the apostle is saying, they have witnessed in the church, in the church that he was a member of, that you've brought them on their way after a godly sort. Now, do you think when a missionary comes in that we ought to give them a hundred dollars and a blessed God and send them down the road? I mean that'll hardly pay for the tolls across the river and back especially if they have to take the turnpike, uh, either New Jersey or New York, any distance at all. Uh, you know, we, Now, we can't just give them $1,000 every time they show up because we don't have it. That'd be wonderful. I was in a church a couple of times where their, their base offering was like $1,000. And I mean, that was cool. Uh, I mean, you got to make up a lot of deficits and pay some bills and do some things that were uh, really be a blessing. That doesn't happen all the time. But I'll tell you what paid the bills is when the church gave us a good love offering. We like to give. I, I mean, I like our church to give, and we normally do at least two hundred and fifty dollars to a missionary comes in, and if we can, we give more than that. And oftentimes. We give a lot more than that because we take them out sightseeing and let them see some. And it doesn't cost as much in money, but you have to have somebody who takes the time to take them around and and all of those things. And because, you know what? We want to be known as a church that loves God's people. Because that is what Gaius was being commended for. Amen. Amen. We want to be a blessing, as much of a blessing as we can. And and I'll tell you, we do it a lot differently than many churches do. Many churches, every time they have somebody in, they take up a special offering for them. But I'll I'll tell you, we're able to give more than, than many churches do without taking up a special offering, just as our people give faithfully to the Lord and to missions and all of these things. Just be faithful. If God lays on your heart to give something extra to somebody, give it to them. Amen? And don't feel shame. You can put it right through the offering. It doesn't. Uh, we'll make sure that they get uh, what comes in. But this is what Gaius was doing. They took nothing from the unsaved. They were not worldly believers. They were not interested only. They wanted to be and John says in verse 8, it says, We ought therefore to receive such that we might be fellow helpers of the truth. And I want to take a moment here and just bounce back to 2 John. What did he say about those people that did not believe the truth? He said, don't even bid them Godspeed. speed. Don't say God bless you because you'll become a partaker of their evil deeds. But these people who are God's servants, get in and get involved and help them because their good works are going to be laid to your account. Amen? You'll be a fellow helper with them into the truth. That's why I tell the missionaries that call us, listen, you know, I want to know what you believe and what you practice. And if you disagree with us, that's your business. That's fine. We're not against you, but we're not going to help you. Because we're looking fellow helpers to the truth. Amen. And, and we're going to get into that a little further here because he says here in verse 9, I wrote unto the church. Now, every commentary that I looked at, they took the church, which appears three times here in the book of uh, Third John, and they said it's got to be the same church. Well, wait a minute, the church where the testimony was given was the church where John was. The church that's here is the church where Diotrephes was. And and as we read on, let's go here, he says, I wrote unto the church, but Diotrephes who loveth to have the preeminence among whom? If it was the church the Gaius was a member of, it would have said among you. But it says, among them. And so I'm going to go out on a limb here. I'm just going to say that we have some different churches being talked about in this letter. We have the church that John was ministering in at the time from which he wrote the letter. We have the church that Gaius was in and was doing such a wonderful job. And I don't think that we're stepping beyond the bounds of Scripture to say that Gaius was a pastor and his church... Some uh, traveling brethren had come through. They had come back to where John was and they said, man, that Gaius was a great guy. And John's going, yeah, (laughs) I I trained him in the ministry. He's one of my kids. He's one of my preacher boys. That, That was something special to John. And John said, I wrote unto the church and this Diotrephes guy. Now, I'm just... Like I said, it doesn't tell us that Gaius was a pastor. It doesn't tell us that Diotrephes was a pastor. But let me tell you something. Diotrephes took him authority and position that very few, only a pastor should never get away with what Diotrephes got away with. But he would almost have to be, quote unquote, a wrong kind of pastor to do the things that Diotrephes did. He refused John's letter when John wrote him, probably saying, Hey, Diotrephes, you ought to act a little bit more like Gaius. Have you heard what Gaius is doing over there? And Diotrephes refused the letter. He prated or prated against us with malicious words. You ever meant, I like what Brother Clayton has said many times. I love to quote him. And he says, I believe what they believe. I'm just not mad about it. I've met some preachers who are just mad. They're just mad about everything. They're mad at everyone. I mean, if you don't get saved in their church, you're probably not saved according to them. Uh, if, if you don't live the way they live, if you don't agree with them on the things that they agree with, boy, I mean, they're just going to slice and dice and, and cut you up and tell you you're not a, not as good a preacher as they are. Hey, let me tell you, Diotrephes is alive and well. I've been called all kinds of names because I won't have a rock band play in our church services. Hey, call me names, call me that all day long. But I'm not going to do it. We're not going there because that's not the truth. And, you know, it's the same thing when you don't have the truth, when you're not fully convinced in your heart that what you're doing is 100% Scripture, what do you do? You attack those who disagree with you. You know, I don't have to attack anybody. If you want to be wrong, be wrong, my friend. Just do it somewhere else. We're not here to argue with you. In fact, one of the reasons I believe this, look what it says here. Now, we believe John was an apostle, and as an apostle, he had special authority. He says, I wrote to the church, but the atrophies who loveth to have the preeminence among them receiveth us not. Wherefore, if I come, I will remember his deeds which he doeth, prating against us with malicious words, and not content therewith, neither doth he himself receive the brethren, and forbiddeth them that would, and casteth them out of the church. I'll tell you, it's not all about diatrophies. It's supposed to be all about the truth of whom is Jesus Christ. Amen? the truth, the way, the life. And he tells Gaius, Beloved, follow not that which is evil. Now, if Gaius had the opportunity to take care of traveling preachers, which would probably put him in the position of a pastor, and this Diotrephes was not taking care of traveling preachers and was doing all of these things and railing against John and trying to start his own church, and by the way, error was rampant during the life of the apostles. These false churches, what would become the Roman Catholic Church, by the time this third letter of John was written, was already in formation. It would be under persecution for the next 200 and some odd years. But by the time Constantine became the emperor and set the Christians free... The false church was already formed and operating and excluding from its membership those that simply believe the Bible. These things were already going on. That's what makes church history such a complicated study. And he says, follow not that which is evil, but that which is good. He that doeth good is of God. But he that doeth evil hath not seen God. Now right here is how we treat other churches. If that church is doing good, guess what? We're walking right alongside of them. If that church is doing evil, we're not walking alongside of them. We're not walking behind them. We're walking away from them. But you know what? We're not going over there trying to straighten them out. Never once did he tell Gaius to straighten out Diotrephes. You tell Diotrephes that John the Apostle has told you. Now, what did Paul do to the Corinthians? He said, man, I'm coming. I bear not the sword in vain. He said, I'm going to straighten you people out. But John was talking to this Diotrephes. He said, if I come, I'm going to talk to that guy. I'm going to straighten him out. I'm going to remember what he has done. He said if. But he never told Gaius to spend one moment worrying about the atrophies. But then he throws in another man right here, and I believe he's the third preacher. He said, Demetrius hath a good report of all men and of the truth itself. Yea, and we also bear record, and ye know that our record is true. Now, like I said, I can't find a commentary that'll agree with me, but I don't think we're doing any damage to the text. Gaius was his son, just like Paul referred to Timothy. I believe Gaius was a preacher. Diotrephes sure acted like the uh, self-possessed, arrogant, false preachers that have built what is now the monstrosity of the Orthodox and Roman Catholic systems. And which has become the foundation of every false system that is in the world today. Then we have this guy named Demetrius. He's just a good old-fashioned preacher. You know what? No matter where I go in this world, if I find me someone that loves the Word of God, I found a friend. You know what? I found someone I can encourage, someone that can encourage me someone that we can serve the Lord together. And John said, listen, Gaius, just like he wrote to the elect lady in 2 John, he said, I got a lot of things to write. He says, but I'm not going to do it with ink and paper. He says I'm going to do it face to face. Just like I did when I was training you for the ministry. He said, we wrote those things in your soul, on the fleshy tables of the heart, is how Paul put it in the Corinthian church. That's where real fellowship happens. And he said, I'm coming to see you that we can speak face to face. He said, peace be to thee, our friends salute thee. You know what? It's wonderful when you meet friends in the ministry. Friends who love the truth, who love the word of God, and are not out there fighting about it. They're just serving the Lord. And I've met preachers of just about every stripe over the years. And I have a tendency, I I like things at home. If I had my druthers, if I could just do it my way, I'd never leave. I'd just stay right here. But you know what? I have to be reminded that there are other types of ministries and other types of pastors that I have to get along with, whether I want to or not. And part of my job is to remind them that they have to get along with me whether they want to or not. Amen? Because we walk in the truth and we're encouraged when we have friends. Amen? Amen? And uh, I've tried to have in different preachers over the years get to know them Know them. Greet thy friend, greet the friends by name. You know what? There are certain people who have been great friends to our church. And there are certain churches that our church has been a friend to. And what we want to do is take time to know their names. Take time share the love and the mutual respect one of the things that I have labored long and hard is I have not given you a list of names of these quote unquote preachers who are seeking the preeminence in our day and time I've tried to shield, that, shield you from that and if you were to meet some of those preachers it would immediately stick out that this guy really thinks an awful lot of himself and it should and does bother you. But how many remember when Dr. Smith was here? That was years, several years ago, about eight years ago. I'll tell you what. He's one of the best known preachers in this country. But you know what? Just like another guy that was here. We're going to have Brother Sam Davis and the president of Heartland in here this summer. Looking forward to having Brother Sam preach for us. But you know, he'll sit down and talk to you just like a regular guy. I've met some other preachers that were so important that they didn't have time to talk to me. You know what? I don't need that kind of counsel. I I don't need that kind of help. And I don't ever want to be that kind of preacher towards someone else. I want to be the kind of preacher that it's talked about right here. And I want our church to be that kind of church. And I, and I want us to pray. One of the greatest things that we can do as a church is take care of those preachers that are coming through. Most of the time, that will be missionaries today, traveling evangelists. And I'll tell you, I want, to, I want us to do that so that when we send people out, like the Newburgers, that they can reap some of the benefits. So I remember what that church did for me. I want to do something to pay them back and be nice to Brother Newburger. And, and I'll tell you, some of the men that we support and have helped are from some of the churches that really stood behind us when we were buying our building. Does that mean you scratch your back, I'll scratch you, you scratch my back, I'll scratch yours. No, that's not what it's talking about. It's because we both love the truth and we're both walking in it. And we get to walk together. Amen. And so let's read these little books. There's an awful lot of life in these two little books. We need to love the brethren. We need to bring them forward on, our, on their ways. We need to be a blessing. But I'll tell you what, we also need some FaceTime. Not on Facebook. Face-to-face on Facebook is not face-to-face, my friend. It's sitting in a room together with the common thread that holds us, the Word of God. Amen. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we ask you to do your work in our hearts and lives, that you would keep us, that you would help us to look to the things that are important to you. And Before we finish that prayer, we just want to give opportunity. If anybody needs to just slip out of their seat, spend a few moments at the altar. The altar is open. Let's let God's word do its work in our hearts and in our lives.